Bears Nation. It's time for the Bears Nation podcast. podcast. It's like radio, but it's not on the radio. With your hosts, Kevin Lapka. Dude, you're the man. That boy's good. And Jake Hassan. He's got an excellent resume, a winning attitude, and I say let's give him a shot. Strap it in. It's the Bears Nation podcast. With all due respect, sir, I believe this is going to be our finest hour. Welcome back, Bears Nation podcast on a Monday. It is June 20th. Minicamp is over. Mandatory minicamp, that is. And we are now five, six weeks away from official OTAs, inching closer and closer to a new season of what will probably be a very painful Bears campaign. But that being said, got a lot to talk about. A lot of people said a lot of stuff last week. A lot of the rookies were put in the action finally. Still no pads, obviously, so... A lot of guesswork and a lot of just projecting what these players are going to be, but still better than nothing. It's more than we've seen since draft night. It's all we're going to see for the next six weeks. So we get to spend these next few weeks dissecting everything and making something out of nothing or nothing out of something. And that's a tease. That's what we call that. Anyway, (laughs) myself, Jake Hassan, joined as always by Kevin Lapka. It is another edition of Bears Nation podcast. Kevin, how are we doing? Doing well, man. It's been a while since we've recorded, but there's a lot to talk about. And we've reached that phase officially of the offseason where we start to make what you said, a whole lot of something out of nothing or a whole lot of nothing out of something. Uh, We get those clips on Twitter, the eight second clips, and we are going to evaluate a whole player's career based off of an eight second clip. That's the stage of the offseason we're at. So we're here, Bears Nation Podcast, to kind of, you know, we're going to be rational and we're going to we're going to be somewhat rational. I should preface that because, you know, me. Not always 100% rational, and that's why Jake is here to put me in line. But we're going to go over this stuff, and we're going to you know, dissect these quotes, dissect uh, you know, the way we've seen um, some players rise and fall for another segment doing later. And we're just going to have some fun, man. I mean, you know, all this stuff is kind of up in the air. It's not concrete. It's, it's a lot of you know, who's going to play what position, who's doing well, who's not. Um, and, we're, and it's fun to talk about. It. It's fun to kind of see you know, where the Bears are trending at this point on June 20th as we, uh, you know, get very, very close to training camp when things start to become concrete. So uh, let's have some fun today, Jake. Yeah, we're going to do it. We uh, took a couple of the quotes, things from some of the players that uh, Coach Flew said over the last week uh, during that mandatory mini camp, mandatory camp, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and we're going to play a little game with some of them and we're going to try to see if it means something or if it's just general preseason Best shape of his life talk. <laughs> and uh, oh, yeah. probably what a lot of it is, but some of it you could still get uh, some some information from some of it. Um, one thing that I do want to say really quick off the top is you're already kind of, you're the Bears, you're in a somewhat better position as far as the quarterback goes because you know clear cut who yes. number one is. You don't have this, okay, we paid Andy Dalton millions of dollars for a one-year <laughs> contract and now that means Justin Fields has to be with the third team. So that means you know who is the guy. You know you have your number one receiver, Darnell Mooney. You have your number one quarterback, Justin Fields. You have a bunch of promising rookies. Your secondary is already probably in a better shape if we if Jaquan Brisker, oh, yeah. Tyler Gordon, are what we think they're going to be. Because um, you're not starting Artie Burns uh, week one, uh, hopefully. So already in a better spot there. So a couple things already off the top. It's only been a couple days of mandatory camp with no pads, but you seemingly at a couple key positions are in a better spot, which is always a good thing. And I will say it's not great for us, Jake, because we were milking the hell out of that quarterback controversy all year. And really for the past two years, because we had Foles and Trubisky in 2020. And it was, you know, every episode, you know, who's got the leg up? Is it Foles? Is it Trubisky? And then last year, it's, you know, Dalton or Fields, who should be the starter? And we would, I swear we would talk about it for at least like 10 minutes per episode. And people freaking loved it. Like our listens were at an all-time high at that point because people love that quarterback talk. So although it hurts us a little bit that we don't get to, you know, banter about that uh, back and forth, especially because we had differing opinions in that area, it is good as a fan to know that, the most important position of all of sports is a constant for your team. And that is the most, that that's why like when you approach 
the outlook for this team and you approach what's going to happen. And, and, you know, you don't have to worry about that. And that's the biggest worry for a lot of other teams who are in a similar stage as the Chicago bears, like the New York giants right now, like they can talk all they want about Daniel Jones without even knowing if he's the guy of the future. And without even knowing, like, you know, should, should we even be successful because we want a top pick. We want to get CJ Stroud next year or something like that. We, all that conversation for us is gone. And it feels good to know, like, Hey, we have this guy here, and from what we've seen so far in minicamp and OTAs and under a new scheme and a new staff, he has taken legitimate steps under these guys and has proven to be more than more than capable of what he showed last year. And this is why, you know, we've talked what we talked about with Nagy and how Getsy and Eberflus and this whole staff are going to come in and improve players, specifically the quarterback position. Well, I think we're starting to see the effects of that. And in some of these quotes that we're going to read, you're going to hear that. You're going to hear the testimonies from, you know, Darna Mooney, from Bayless Jones Jr., from Matt Eberflus about the progressions that he's made. And, yeah, like, we have to be cautious. This is coach speak, and this is, this is just what guys do at this time of the year. Like, no one's going to come up here and say our quarterback's stinking it up every day at practice. He sucks. Let's move on, right? Like, no one's going to go up to the mic and say that. But it's still good to hear, like, hey, Justin Fields, he's making strides, and we're going to get to some of those quotes. So um, to have that constant, like – I don't. I think Bears need to understand how lucky they are because, aside from the early Cutler years, the early, I guess the first two years of Trubisky, you didn't have this luxury of knowing of knowing that this is your guy and you're well, hoping even the first this year guy, of Trubisky. You there had was right. Thing. That's so, true. So really, it was like it was one yeah, year, basically one year, and even that year there was like bumps in the road. So yeah, I mean it feels good, and you know. I'm, I'm I, from what I've seen and from what I've heard, I, I, it's it's all what we expected last year to hear last year is what I'm saying. But we didn't get the opportunity to do that because it was all about that controversy. And Andy Dalton was getting, you know, the reps with the first team. And right. you're going to hear as we talk today about, you know, our recap of minicamp, you're going to hear just how important it has been for Justin Fields to be getting all of the reps like no Trevor Simeon. No one else. Like it's it's Justin Fields, all of the reps right now, and that's huge for his development as he heads into year two. Right. Yeah. It was a huge jump. Uh, last year was equivocally okay. Justin Fields. Yeah, he's a ten, but you paid Andy Dalton a bunch of money, so he's a six, right. I guess. But like it's so dumb. But you don't have that. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, dude. I like that. I, I, I regret ever making that joke on Twitter because now it's just I, these. Uh, I, Dude, it's I, viral. What did What did you do? Nothing, and I hate it. Oh, I'm, I'm oh you it. love it, don't you? I'm you old, love I'm you. You've been it. waiting for this moment for so long. Old. I had a Cam's tweet go viral a long time ago. I've been there, done that. All right, let's get into some of these quotes. <laughs> uh, we're gonna just read them off. A couple that we pulled, and so I'll start off the top. I'm not gonna go in no any particular order. So I'll start right from the top. Um, this one from Matt Eberflus from Wednesday's practice. This one just sticks out to me because it's kind of – there's a lot to unpack here as far as what the team stands. So here's the quote from Matt Eberflus on Wednesday. It's a system where we rely on techniques and fundamentals and the coach-player relationship, and that's important to us. It's And it's a partnership, and we've been able to do that. I'm not going to name names, but you can look them up. It's exciting to watch a young guy do that. This is Eberflus talking about how his program is centered around these young guys and these young players. That sticks out initially because this is one of the youngest rosters now in the NFL. I think there's mm-hmm. something like 26 of the players on the Bears roster, current roster, like rookies or for, like undrafted rookies or first year players, first mm-hmm. or second year players, maybe. I forget exactly what it was. But regardless, over half of this roster at the moment is young guy, like guys that are just new into the league, fresh in the league. Like, I, I get what that says about Eurofluence, and it seems to. St- to say about him that he's not afraid to throw these young guys in there. And we've seen that. Correct. Obviously you expect that with Brisker and with Gordon, obviously you have Justin Fields, but let's say those two, your first two picks from this past draft. And obviously you're expecting them to have a role right away because of, you know, they were drafted at a position of need. They were drafted high in the second round. So, but I mean, just to hear him say that, you know, they're going to see what these guys have essentially is a Turn from what Matt Nagy was at the end of last year, especially where it's okay, we're playing all these veterans. Okay, we're playing Nick Foles because I'm out the door and I need to show something or anything to get my next job. Yeah. And, and there was another quote actually that is similar to this one. I'm going to try to find it right now. I think it, it's right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the one um, 
Right. I had the same quote poll, actually. And so, you know, to play the game, something or nothing, I got a little graphic. That, that's something. I mean, this is legitimately something. And you alluded to that example with Nick Foles. Well, guess what? That wasn't the only example. I mean, you can go down the list. It was Afedi over Jenkins and Borum. It was Dalton over Fields last year. It was Jimmy Graham over Cole Komet in the red zone, which I didn't have a total problem with last year. But as you look back, like the rate was too much. Like it was too much Jimmy Graham over Cole Komet in the red zone. Right. It was Kendall Vildor over Thomas Graham. It was Jameer Bird over Daz Newsome. We haven't heard a lot about Newsome, the guy, friend of the program, um, recently. We don't know what's up with him. But still, like you go down the list. These guys weren't giving an opportunity. And I don't think people understand – how important that playing time is like, and this is why we implored for, for weeks and weeks in training camp last year, months and weeks that, you know, these reps for Justin Fields early in the season last year were important. Like you can right. argue all you want about, is he ready? You know, what's the right strategy? Send him 16 games or start them all six or 17. Now start them all 17. And we said, you know what, the, the way you're going to get better is by playing in these games. And that goes down the list of positions. I mean, if you can get an opportunity year one and just prove yourself that you can hold your own, not only does it provide to a player tremendous experience, it also gives you inc- incredible confidence, and momentum. And those things are important. Like think about Thomas Graham, like that dude was given four games and we saw four games to take for him. And I think that gave him enough confidence to jump here with a lot of momentum into year two. And now throughout minicamp, he's been the starting slot cornerback. Like, and that almost didn't happen. If they, if the bears did not deal with injuries in the secondary late in the season, Thomas Graham Jr. Would have never got a shot. And that's why, like this happened throughout the whole Nagy era, but you see, like, think about the good, the best teams, the dynasties, the best teams in the NFL, right? The, the teams that do it year after year after year after year. And obviously the name is going to jump out to you, the Patriots. And they're a perfect example of this is they're always giving their young guys, you know, a chance. I don't, they don't care if this guy was undrafted from a school that had four kids in Indiana. It doesn't matter. Like they, they might've not even been able to field a football team and they drafted this guy and they'll play him week one. Like they don't care. And Getting that year one experience and getting that confidence, it just it does wonders. And and the other thing too is like it's just simple that a lot of people don't understand. You don't even know what you have in some of these guys if you don't play them. Like you can like sometimes guys step on a field and they're just they just play, man. Like you can speculate all you want out of practice reps and out of doing things in slow-mo and and, and not full contact. The moment they step on the field, they're a different player. And to have the ignorance to not even give guys like that an opportunity in the past, not even give them an opportunity to show what they have is the complete wrong way to coach. So the reason why I say this is something is because you are going to discover a lot. You're going to discover a lot of new guys who never previously would have gotten a chance. And that can go for guys who last year didn't get a chance or years before didn't get a chance like a Daz Newsome, right? Who under a new system, under a new coaching staff, under Eberflus, who has said, this is an opportunity for younger guys to play. We're going to give them a chance. Like you're going to see just the effects of, you know, the past few years. And we're going to be, uh, we're going to be frustrated, Jake. Like if a guy like that goes out there and balls out, You'd be like, what the hell? Where has that been the past few years, right? Like, and the name right. that came out to me when I was writing down my notes, this was Riley Ridley, right? Like, that was another guy. Right. I mean, it was just, why, like, why didn't you just play him? Like, you played him one game week 17 in, like, 2018, 2019, and he had, like, sure. six catches or something. And you're like, just give the guys a chance. That's all I ask for. Like, you don't have to overthink this. It's hard to be a coach, but the easiest thing you can do is just give guys an opportunity, especially when you're in a situation like the Bears, when you don't know how good you're going to be. You have nothing to lose. Throw these guys out there. So, yes, this is a major something to me, and I know you're on board with that, too. No, I agree. This is a something. Uh, Eberflus went on to say, you know, we're not afraid. So he said that we're not afraid to put young guys in there and let them go. Yeah, play. this is so the We're quote. looking forward to our guys like safety, like Brisker or Gordon, or young guys that are stepping up in there and playing. So I agree. And I think those two go hand in hand. It's the same. It's definitely something. It's definitely, I think it speaks to, you know, I'm more down on the bears than you are. And I think part of that reason is because there are so many young guys. We are just going to be throwing so many guys of these guys into the fire and we're going to be seeing them. And with that, just like Justin Fields, there's going to be growing pains. There's going to be good weeks and there's going to be bad weeks. However, part of the reason that I think the bears will be more of an average to maybe even bad team is that, so many it's not just Justin Fields now and it's not just a couple guys it's not just Justin Fields and Larry Borum it's now Brisker Gordon there's probably mm-hmm. still going to be growing pains for Fields in year two in this new yeah, system as well there's Velas Jones Jr you're you might have two new rookie offensive linemen just from this class not even to mention Tevin Jenkins if he could ever play a damn snap but that's part of the reason why not to say this is a bad thing I, getting more young guys like you just spent the last couple minutes saying getting more young guys 
reps that are meaningful is infinitely more helpful because then you're not playing this game of, okay, well, they look good in practice, but then once they're on the field in game situations, it's not as great. So how can we fix that? No, you're just putting them out there, feet to the fire, find out now, then you're not wasting two or three years like you did with Mitch Trubisky trying to figure out if you can fix them or if they're good or not. And now you can just get out there and the turnover rate of your personnel is quicker and you're back to being a good team again faster because you know who you can rely on and not. So yes, agree. Definitely something getting the young guys reps earlier and faster and more often is definitely good. And it's a good something. Absolutely. 1000%. Yeah. All right. What do you got next? Um, next, this is still so on the topic of Brisker and Gordon. Okay. Um, I, everything that we've heard about Jaquan Brisker from this camp has been outstanding to like yeah. five stars. Kind of like people are raving about him. Coaches, player. I mean, Eddie Jackson said he's loving playing with him and that he feels like he can be that center field ball hawk again. And Matt Flew says all these good things about him. So Matt Flew said this on Wednesday too about Jaquan Brisker. I was just talking to Alan Williams, defensive coordinator, about him on the field. And we're just so thrilled with his talent, you know, with his mental makeup and just the person he is and where he is in his development, Iberflus said. Picking up the defense hasn't been difficult for Brisker as compared to some of the things he did at Penn State. That's something with the transition. This is what Brisker said. I feel like it's not coming too fast for me, he said. I feel like I'm taking every day one step at a time, being where my feet are, and, you know, just embracing my role and things like that and just trying to get my feet back under under me. I mean. That's a guy, obviously, and we've talked about this. It's not like he's coming from nowhere. Coming from Penn State, Big Ten football, it's, you know, it's at least quality football. You're not coming from no name <laughs> school, wherever. Like it's, it's right. It's at least high level football that pumps out a lot of pros every year. You're facing, I mean, you're facing CJ Stroud, for God's sake. You know, you're facing guys like Justin Fields every year, year in and year out. So, I'm not surprised by this. This is kind of something we talked about with Brisker when he was drafted, that he could step in and get that immediate impact. Um, I just didn't expect it to be this much of raving about him and his makeup and the plays he's making in practice and how he's always around the football. I mean, it's definitely something, and it's something that you've been wanting to see because this is exactly what you wanted to hear about about brisker seeing as he was your second pick in the draft and you were hoping that he could be a starter from day one definitely and i you know again i I do think some of these things are oh you know this is just what they're going to say about the rookies especially a high paid coach speak for sure but i think that to hear that from eddie jackson to me is important to say you know i I feel comfortable with him next to me i feel like i can be that center fielder ball hawking safety again and that's really because when we did our evaluation of jaquan brisker and say, you know, what is this guy going to bring to the table? Obviously, it's what he presents as a player himself, but also it's his impact on the guy next to him. And that's so important to getting Eddie Jackson back to form. And you get Eddie Jackson back to form, that helps your defense uh, tremendously. I mean, you are you take a step up. If you get 2018, if you get 2018 Eddie Jackson back, this could be a top eight, top seven defense, in my opinion, um, if you get that type of, you know, takeaway rate from a guy like Eddie Jackson. So to hear him say that is is very encouraging to me, but also, yeah, the things we've heard from Jaquan Brisker have been very, very uh, encouraging as far as his ability to come in and play immediately, because this is a guy who is going to be your starting safety week one. And you want to see a guy like this absorb things as quick as possible. You know, he, he's acclimated, he's getting in there and he's not only is he just understanding things like this isn't just him coming into meetings, watching tape and understanding what he's seeing and understanding the scheme and understanding the playbook and understanding what needs to be done. It's like, no, he's coming in at practice and he's making plays. Like he's getting after the ball. He knows what he needs to do. And the thing that I really like that he said, if I can try to find it in my notes was, you know, he's talking about, he's coming in, he's loving what the Eberflu style defense is. He said in college, you know, he, he, he wants to be that ball hat guy. Like when you watch the highlights of Jaquan Brisker, a lot of the plays that you're seeing are him going after the ball with interceptions or, pa- or pass breakups. That's what he wants to be. And he came into the system. He's like, man, like this is a system I think I can thrive on. This is a system where I can come in and get takeaways. And he loves that the emphasis is on that from a guy like Matt Eberflus. And I feel like, although it's just one guy, you're starting to get that sense that there's a lot of people specifically on the defensive side of the ball that are buying into what Matt Eberflus is bringing. And I think that's important. I think that's something in itself just because there was a lot of skepticism when Eberflus was hired about whether the hits method would really work, whether that was corny, whether that was cheesy, whether players would buy in and, oh, it's just an acronym. It doesn't mean anything. And people like these guys are 27-year-old, 28, 31-year-old veterans. Like, why are we talking about a dumb acronym? Like, no, these guys are buying in. and 
you know, I don't, I don't know if guys are buying in the previous regime, like not just on the offensive side of the ball. Like you didn't, sure. you don't get that same feeling. So to have guys buy in, understand this is where defense is going to be specifically a rookie in Jaquan Brisker. That to me is something. So um, I, I like his progression. I'm going to be really interested to see uh, what he does in training camp when we're all able to watch. Yeah, it's going to be – that's going to be very telling of how this season goes. And obviously we didn't get to see a lot of Kyler Gordon. Uh, he was he missed right. a few days. So that is the other piece of this, uh, how Kyler Gordon works works with Jalen Johnson, how he fits in this defense. But one of one of your first two picks getting all this praise right away is very encouraging, and it's very good to see this early. All right, we've avoided talking about Justin Fields uh, for 20 minutes. So good we'll on us, here. man. Wow. So we'll uh, get in these next two quotes I'm going to read kind of go hand in hand. The first is from Ryan Griffin, who's kind of a journeyman tight end, has been around the league, bounced around a lot. But nonetheless, I think uh, his opinion should matter because he's been around and been around a lot of different quarterbacks. So he said this about Justin Fields. He's the most focused individual I've ever been around, Griffin said. Determined, hardworking. I don't see him smiling ever, really. And it's not because he's not having fun out there, but this guy just wants to win. It just oozes through every movement he makes out there. That was Ryan Griffin. And he's, like I said, journeyman. He's been around. He's a veteran of you know the league. This was from then, conversely, Vilas Jones Jr., who you drafted as your first wide receiver and who you expect to hopefully start at some point this year, and if not right off the bat, and contribute. Vilas Jones Jr. said, man, honestly, it's been a good time, not even just football-wise. Justin Fields sitting right next to me, us having normal conversations and stuff, picking each other's brains and stuff like that, makes it a whole lot easier. I feel like that's part of the connection as well, knowing who your quarterback is outside of football. That makes things much easier when I go to practice as well. He's depending on me. A lot of guys are depending on me. I'm going to have their backs and do what I can to keep stride in this offense. We know Darnell Mooney and Justin Fields have a connection of sort. Like they have this kind of bond. We saw Justin Fields go to Darnell Mooney early. Like even in the first training camp, they had a connection, which was great. Um, Something that was severely lacking, though, it didn't seem like he had at least that on-field connection with anybody else. We saw a little bit of a flash with Colton Head at the end of the season, but not not as much as with Darnell Mooney. Sounds like Vilas Jones Jr. and Justin Fields have hit it off early. They have lockers right next to each other. They're in constant communication. I know that I think Vilas Jones Jr. went down to Georgia at some point, too, to work out with Justin Fields uh, after the draft as well, I think I saw. So definitely something. Definitely more encouragement and something that we wanted to see as far as their relationship and how this repertoire is going to work on the field because are you really that – you can't rely on Darnell Mooney solely again. You can't have it. It's not going to work. Then the offense is going to sputter again, and you're going to be in a bad spot. This is good. Having these young guys who are going to be around for the next couple of years, Vilas Jones Jr., obviously you hope is around for the full four years of his rookie contract and is somebody that you can rely on. Like he said, people are counting on him. So that's definitely something that's true because <laughs> this offense, there's a vacuum, you know, of power where there's reps to be taken and there is a connection to be made Correct. here. If you can just step in and do it, uh, you know, you can't hope that Dante Pettis is going to rediscover the form he had a couple of years ago or I mean, nice play mini camp, but yeah, right. but, I mean, play. it's more important to have that with a right. guy who you know is going to yes. be here on a rookie deal for four years, as opposed to Pettis whose contract is, you know, partially guaranteed or non-guaranteed. So you know, it's very important. And I think it's definitely something. It's a great something that now we're to, you know, Kyler Gordon, again, it's not something that we've seen a lot from him because he missed a lot of days. But now out of Brisker and Jones, these two guys who are seemingly getting praised every day and now especially having a, a connection with his quarterback, it's huge. I mean, something you wanted to see right off the bat. No, it is. And and if people are going to be like, oh, like, you know, what is he talking about? That's not real. It is real. Look at what happened last year with the guy that Darnum, that Justin Fields was getting the most reps with last year. It wasn't Marquise Goodwin. It wasn't Demir Bird. It wasn't Allen Robinson. It was Darnum Mooney. And Jake already brought up the connection that they have. That connection is so strong because they were getting increased reps last year. And that connection just, it carried onto the field immediately. So to know that that connection exists there, these guys have a friendship off the field. They're able to, you know, go over tape. And the great thing that I wanted to bring up, too, as we talk about Justin Fields and his connection with his receivers, specifically Darnell Mooney, was I don't know if you saw the clip about them talking about how they have this competition on who stays in the building longer. Did you hear about that? I did not. So Darnell Mooney in his press conference a couple of weeks ago was talking about just Justin Fields' work ethic. He was saying, you know, me and Justin have this sort of uh, competition where 
whoever stays, whoever leaves the building first loses. So it's a competition who can stay in the building longer. And they're going into the lengths of, you know, Justin Fields even tricked Darna Mooney into thinking that he left. And then after <laughs> Darna Mooney left, like he came back and like sent him a photo or sent him a text. He was like, I'm still here or something. Um, and they're talking like late into the night, like just watching film, staying there. And, you know, they're doing a lot of this together. And like these guys just can't get out of the building. And those things are so important. And it goes back to the Ryan Griffin quote when he talks about, um, you know, just Justin Fields being down to business, getting down to work. And it really makes you think about some of these people who came into the draft in 2021 thinking, you know, Justin Fields has no work ethic. And I think the narrative that was brought around that might have been partially the reason that he dropped. Um, I think it was Dan Orlovsky. I want to say it was Dan Orlovsky. We kind of, you know, said from a source, you know, source says Justin Fields has no work ethic. He doesn't know how to work hard. He doesn't love football. Uh, And then, you know, you're hearing all these things from guys like Ryan Griffin and Darnell Moon. You're like, no, this guy doesn't just love football. Like, this is his life. Like, football is his life. He can't get out of the building. He's so committed to being the best quarterback he can possibly be. And, you know, there were the same things at times said about Mitch Trubisky, but sure. you'd rather hear those things than not hear them. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm glad that I can hear about his players saying, this guy's focused, he's down to work, and he's going to do everything it takes to be successful. Like, he's one of those guys for me. I'm trying to think of a good example of another player who – He's not going to smile this year until he wins the Super Bowl or uh, until, you know, you're not going to see a glowing smile on his face until he's achieved, you know, those biggest moments. So he wins a game by like 30 points. Then you're going to see that smile crack. Like from the moment that the ball is kicked to start the game, it's straight face all the way through. And, you know, it it doesn't mean, again, it doesn't mean he's not having fun. Honestly, you know, it kind of reminds me of is Rodgers a little bit. Like he's kind of got that. Rodgers will give you that dumb smirk though every once in a while. I get that dumb right. smirk when he throws a touchdown. But yes, you are correct. And and you know you get a little bit of that out of Brady at times. You, you know there's a little right. bit of that about him, about Michael Jordan. But like you think about you know, and it, it, I'm not saying that like oh to be a great player in any sport you have to keep a straight face. To the, no, like if the right. guys want to have fun, like go ahead have fun. I don't care how you do it. But I think it's just Justin Fields is down to business. He's going to get to work, and boom, you know he's not satisfied until he has a game like he did against the Steelers. Until he, you know, until the Bears are winning a bunch of times in a row, and then you'll see him come up to the, you know, the press conference mic and and start to crack a smile. And you know, I just think like this guy, he wants it, man. I th- I think he wants it, and it's reflect and like those things are important. Like you don't want a guy who's going to be first in, first out. Like you are you first in. Right. Your last in first well, out. You want a and, guy who's going to be first and last out, and that's what he is. And and to that point, Fields himself had a quote: "No, I'm not ready for the season to start. I'm the type of guy that would like to know I'm prepared. So right now, I'm just being honest. We're not ready to play a game right now. And when that time comes, we will be ready. So right now, though, no, not ready to play a game. And that's what you expect with as many rookies and young guys that you're expecting and this new system. Like he said, it's just honesty. Like that's." That to me is nothing but in the way that it's like you don't need to blow it up. It does not, you don't freak out about it because it's true. And it, it, it's something that I would have expected him to say that, yeah, of course they're not ready. It's a new season that you haven't even practiced with pads on. Like it's yes. just, it, it's totally expected. Yeah, I like him keeping that real. You know what I mean? I, I like him coming up there and not sugarcoating it and saying, oh, yeah, we can play again tomorrow. Like, He's keeping it real with you. And, and you know, and there's people, I think there's people who read that were like, no, like, what do you mean you're not ready to play? Like, what is this? You know, this, this is not how you're supposed to operate. Like, no, he's coming in. He's keeping it real. He says, look, we have a long way to go. And I'd rather you be transparent about that and say, look, this is a working process. We've got a lot of young players on the team who need to develop and need to understand these things. And it's going to take time. Then tell me on June 20th, we're ready to face the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the, and the Buccaneers <laughs> Buccaneers Buffalo Bills. And, we, and the, you know, we want to, you know, like that stuff to right. me is like, don't get ahead of yourself. You know, take it slow because the moment you start to do that is when you start to get lost. Like, you know, this is a process. This is going to be a journey for this team. And it's going to take time, especially under new head coach, to really get acclimated. But it doesn't matter. Like, you could totally be ready by June 20th or you could be totally be ready by September. What is is 11th the first game? I think it's September 11th is the first game. It doesn't matter. As long as the team is ready by that point, I don't care what the progression of that is. It doesn't have to accelerate in minicamp. It doesn't have to accelerate in training camp. As long as you are ready by September 11th, that's all that matters. And I got to fact check myself before I keep saying that. Um, <laughs> I don't remember the Bears schedule dates by heart, but I, I don't, you know, like that's something, I, I guess I would say that's a nothing just because like right. there's people who made that to be a bigger deal than what it is. So now I get to show off my nothing graphic with an emoji. Um, but yeah, that's, 
It's okay. September well, 11th is 49ers Bears. That was great. Oh boy. So, good job. Um, talking about that, how it's nothing because of the new system and things that are changing inside House Hall and there's a, an acclimation process. Darnell Mooney was talking about that new system and, you know, Ibrahim's system and, you know, what they're expecting here. Darnell Mooney said about the system, I love it a lot. It's very nice. It compliments a lot of us players, <laughs> running back, quarterback, and a guy like me. We're just able to do a lot of things that I love to do and just be a playmaker. Now, this is for sure something, but not just because of, like, you know, he's complimenting the system, and, yeah, of course, we're, we're glad that he's excited. This is why I think it's something. That's, a, that's a, a veiled shot at the previous coaching regime. Like, that's a veiled, like, yeah, yeah I really like what we're able to do and let guys be playmakers and we get everybody involved. Like, that's like, hey – this is great. Like we're actually running an offense where everyone's involved and now we can try and make these explosive plays and we're allowed to do different things and try different stuff. Again, this is all predicated on there's no pads. There's just very feeling out process and not all the ones are playing against all the other ones. And sometimes it's the twos or the ones or the ones versus the threes. And there's still a learning curve, but just the fact that your number one receiver who you're expecting to have a breakout year Yes. is saying, yeah, like I love the system. I love what we're doing and everybody's getting involved. That's huge because that's exactly what you wanted as a Bears fan, as a Bears watcher, like as someone who watches this offense and was so frustrated with it last year and was like, oh my God, what are we doing here? What is up with all the bubble screens? Enough of the bubble screens. Now it's like, okay, hey, we got guys moving around. Sure, like, we, we've saw tweets out of mini camp saying like, oh, there's some play action happening. We didn't see that at all last year. So it's like, it's great. It's a, for sure something. And I think it's in the best way it's something. Yes, I would totally agree. Now this quote is full. When you read that out, I love it a lot. It's very nice. Like, <laughs> it's very nice. Like, okay, that's just, it's a funny way of saying that. But I, you know, the thing that stood out to me, he says, is the end of the quote where he says, you know, we're just able to do a lot of things that I love to do and just be a playmaker. And boom, that that's it, man. Just be a playmaker. Like, I feel like a lot of these guys last year were hamstrung from their abilities. Like Darnell Mooney is going to make his best plays. He's going to end up on SportsCenter top 10. He's going to go viral on the internet when he's given the ball in open space. And he's able to, you know, juke guys out of their shoes and use his athleticism to get to the end zone. Like those are things that you didn't see in the previous offense. So I just, I like to see that, you know, they're scheming up ways to get these guys open. I think that's what he means when he says, allow me to just be a playmaker is, you know, I don't want you to kind of tell me what I need to do. Like, I don't want you to tell me I didn't need to run a curl route and, you know, fall down. I want you to tell me like, we're going to scheme you up and get you the ball in space and just let you be the player that you can be. Like you don't, you have untapped potential because you were in an offense that wasn't giving you those opportunities. Like, Think about there were certain times. Don't get me wrong. There were certain times like that 60 yard touchdown against the Ravens, like a screen, good blocking. You know, he just uses his speed and athleticism to get past a bunch of guys and get past the whole defense and score a really important touchdown. So they're allowing all of these guys to be playmakers. And you have the offense built to do that. Like you, you have the personnel to do that. You have playmakers and Velas Jones Jr. You have playmakers and Darna Mooney and, and Dave Montgomery and guys who just, you know, let them be them. Don't try to form. Don't try to make these guys into something they're not. And that was what our biggest criticism of Matt Nagy was in the past was, you know, from the quarterback position all the way down the roster, you're trying to build, put these guys into something they're not. You're trying to form them into something they're not. Like, no, tailor to the strengths of your players. And from the looks of this quote, they are doing just that. So um, I, I, I like to see it. We got Detroit versus our, this guy, this Dom Burr in the chat um, is talking about the Detroit Lions once again. And I am very looking forward to Darna Mooney torturing the Detroit Lions this year. So that'll be fun. But yeah, man, I think that's a really important quote. No, yeah. I mean, it's something that you wanted to see from one of your top playmakers. Um, something, and I didn't clip this for, I didn't screenshot this quote, but also we talked about, not we talked about, but I also saw a tweet that said like Velas Jones Jr. is all over the place too, showing off his speed. He's going up and making like these acrobatic catches. So that was something that we kind of, yeah, yeah he, he's older, but he has this playmaking ability. And when you see it, again, not in pads, so all predicated on can it translate. But, you know, obviously, so far, so good. Something that is the biggest negative something, though, and this isn't a quote, but it's more of a situation. Tevin Jenkins is practicing with the threes. He can't see any time with the ones. Apparently, he's fall, like falling down the depth oh, like, chart with these guys. Oh, and he's, like, 
Probably like, and which is very, 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 very concerning considering he was a, what 35th overall. I think was where Ryan Pace selected him, and you were hoping that he could be a, a stalwart on your line, especially because there's so much you know going on with the offensive line. You saw James Daniels, obviously, right. Alex Bars, obviously, Sam Mustafer is aggressively average, so you're hoping for an upgrade there, <clears throat> and it's a lot of influx. And you were hoping before the draft, even we were saying, okay. Larry Borm looked solid enough on the left side, even on the right side. So there's some, you know, change there where, okay, right. he looks solid enough. Okay. Now you have to fill the guard position. Okay. Well, Cody Whitehair is still there. Okay. Then you sign um, Lucas Patrick from green Bay. He's going to be your center. Okay, great. Now, Tevin Jenkins, can you count on him for anything? Well, he's playing with the threes. Okay. Well now the fifth round pick from Utah South is out playing him on the ones. Okay, well, what's the deal? And nobody, nobody knows any answers. Nobody seems to know what the issue is. Nobody seems to know if his back is flaring up again. Nobody seems to know if he just stinks. Um, it's definitely concerning. It's definitely something. Hopefully, when pads come on in six weeks, maybe something changes, and maybe hey, Tevin Jenkins just he just wasn't super healthy. We just wanted to ease him back in, and now here he is with the ones. But. On the flip side of that, yeah, Braxton maybe. Jones getting the time with the ones Correct. and supposedly playing really well, maybe that's something for you, especially because the guy that you signed, even though you weren't expecting huge things from him, Dakota Dozier, had to get carted off. So, yeah. Tevin, your thoughts on Tevin Jenkins? So I have like a mixed opinion on this. Is it not great that he's practicing with the twos and threes? No, that is not great. That is not what you want to see. We thought that this guy, especially after the glimpses of what we saw in the final games last year, was going to be you know, the guy who's going to be at right tackle, um, you know, they were going to move him over and he was going to stay there and that was going to be fine. And we had a positive outlook about this line because we knew we had the tackle position locked down from what we believe. We thought it was your two rookies who showed a little bit of promise or, or two second year guys, rookies last year, who showed a little bit of promise, Larry Borm, Tevin Jenkins locked down there. Now you get Lucas Patrick at center and you get Cody Whitehair at left guard and then you figure out the right guard. And that's all you have to figure out. But now Things get a little bit more interesting. But the reason why I say I have mixed opinions is because this might be a good problem to have because it could be that Jenkins is a little bit slower in his development than they thought, which is not always terrible. Again, this is mini camp. He's going to have all of training camp. He's going to have time to get back up to speed if that is the case. But we might be finding something out about Braxton Jones. And that's what I mean. Like this could be a good problem to have because if Jenkins now and Eberflu said, I'm not going to you know, rule out flexing Jenkins to right guard. So maybe what they're going to be doing is you know, keep him with the twos and threes at right guard, get him up to speed at right guard, and then have Braxton Jones be the guy there who's going to play left tackle. So the line eventually, and this is my hope, is you get Braxton Jones at left tackle, Cody Whitehair at left guard, Lucas Patrick at the center, Tevin Jenkins at right guard, Larry Barham at right tackle. Maybe, maybe that's what they're planning to do. And I, I think that's just me kind of assuming that Braxton Jones is starting over uh, Tevin Jenkins because he just looks better than him right now, or it's just because Braxton Jones maybe isn't like he's not that great, but Tevin Jenkins is just that bad right now. But I, if I had to imagine, I just I have trouble believing that that's the case. Like it seems to me that something else is going on there with the way they're setting this lineup. And you know, again, I, I, I'm not going to sit here and, and say you know this is a bust. Like this is a terrible pick just because he's drafting or just because he's practicing with the twos and the threes in minicamp and in his second year. Like, I don't think I'm going to reach to say that, but do you kind of agree with me that this could, this could potentially in a couple months, we find out this is a good problem to have because Braxton Jones might be better than what you expect. Like, this is a fifth round pick. And you know that gems are found in the fifth round pick every single year. Yeah. And he doesn't have to be a diamond. He doesn't have to be, he can be good. If he can be good enough, if he can be good enough and then Tevin Jenkins can slot over to right guard, I mean, is that not sort of a perfect solution to the problem that you had in the interior? I mean, it seems to yeah, me like I mean, it, it for sure is. <laughs> and you know, to uh, to Kelvin Swanson's comment in the in the chat, everyone is overreacting about where a person's playing now. Yeah, for sure, absolutely. Like it's definitely there's no pads. Correct. Maybe it's just that he's injured still, or he's working through some kind of flare up, and they're just easing him in. For sure, one thousand percent. It's just worth talking about still, though, in the vein that. This was a guy you were counting on. And yeah, if Braxton Jones turns into something, awesome, tremendous, great, fantastic. Yeah, fifth round gems come all the time. Darnell Mooney was one. But it's just something where it's like you were hoping because minicamp still happens for a reason. Like this time still happens for a reason. Yeah, you shouldn't read into it completely yet. 
but it's more so the fact that he can't even get reps with the ones or the twos. Like that's yeah. more, it's like, he's, he's with the threes right now. Like that's more of what the subject positionality doesn't even matter to me at this point. It's availability. Like he can't even like the fact that he's not even playing. Um, but yeah, to, to answer your question. Yeah. If Braxton Jones turns into something, absolutely. That helps you completely. And that, and that for sure knocks guys down. And Braxton Jones was saying, yeah, the coaching is helping me a lot. Like I'm learning how to use my hands. He, apparently right. his wingspan, his hands are above NFL average, which is fantastic. And he's saying, yeah, I'm working on it every day, getting a little better every day. And I love, I like, I just something about like the glasses look for, I don't know. It just works. It's very clean look. I have, <laughs> right, love it. Look. Love it. I don't know. Something about it works. But anyway, yeah, I mean, it could for sure be something. I mean, 1000%. And, and, and that's an ideal situation, obviously. More likely than not, it doesn't work out that way. Um, but something that we talked about after the draft was, okay, you drafted all these O-linemen. You know, you drafted, what, five of them, six of them, and then brought even more and undrafted. You were hoping at least one, hopefully two, panned out, and then you would have the situation where you could slide Borum and Jenkins around. So, you know, I I think it could work out, but it's still definitely concerning from Jenkins' standpoint of, hey, you drafted this guy 30, well, not you, this current regime didn't, but this guy was drafted 35th overall. You were hoping for a little bit more. He was supposed to be your starting left tackle last year. And then 39th. And then you had to rely on Jason Peters, who was great, was very good last year. But still, I mean, it's concerning in that aspect is my point. And I got to give credit to I'm Scott's in the chat who, you know, if you remember a draft show immediately after this guy was talking about Braxton Jones. And he was like, you know, don't sleep on Braxton Jones. This is a guy you got to look at, a guy you got to keep an eye on. He was right. I mean, this yeah. guy, you know, we're, we're getting to our rise, risers and fallers, you know, segment here. He is rising and he is rising fast. Um, Tevin Jenkins is falling faster than the stock market right now. So hopefully uh, that gets back. But um, yeah, my, my crypto is not looking great. But other risers and fallers. And to me, I have a decent amount of risers. Let's start with number one for me. And this is, is going to be a shock to you, Jake. Colcomet is a okay. riser right now. This is, this is tremendous. is a major riser. I can't believe we're doing this. I, I, I can't believe we're doing it. Again, and let me say, you know, for those who have been listening to this show for a while, I never hated Colquitt as a player. I didn't like the pick at the time. I, I liked Antoine Winfield Jr. I thought he was the better pick. I right. didn't ever hate Colquitt as a player. I knew he was going to need some development. I knew he wasn't going to be George Kittle or Travis Kelsey. But when you look at what he can do in the Luke Getzey offense, this is what's important. This is why he's a riser. And from what we've seen in camp and from what we've heard and from what we should expect, given he's in a new system under Luke Getzey offense, we have total belief that he can be sort of that Robert Tunyon type guy, which is a guy that Luke Getzey was with in Green Bay. And Robert Tunyon was an undrafted free agent from the Detroit Lions in 2017. He's kind of a journeyman until he got to the Packers. And in 2020, he had 11 touchdowns. And last year, he had two, but he was injured. And the reason why I say he's a riser is because I don't think Cole Komet's production from a yard standpoint and a reception standpoint is going to go significantly up. I think he'll have, I think he had like 600 you know, 50 plus last year. And, you know, I don't know how many receptions. I don't think that's going to go crazy. I don't think he's going to be a thousand yard tight end. I don't think he's obviously not. I don't think he's going to be a 900 yard tight end. I think he might be an 800 yard tight end. But the thing you were missing was his red zone abilities. The guy had zero touchdowns last year. He put up a donut in the touchdown section. And that is not what you're looking for out of a tight end. I mean, that is that is one of their primary roles is once you get into the red zone, this guy's a threat. This is a guy that, you know, defense is at the plan for once you get inside the 20. And that wasn't, that just wasn't there for, you know, Cole Komet in the past. And part of that, I think, was maybe because of his abilities lacked in that situation. And there were there were times where he was getting targets in the red zone. He was dropping them. And, and he pointed that out in his press conference. He said, if there's a few I could go back to last year and change, it was the one against the 49ers where he could have caught it with one hand. And I think one against Green Bay where he kind of scooped it up off the ground, if you guys remember those. Um, but nonetheless, he's being put in a system now where not only is he the primary guy in the red zone, like you have to remember, targets were sort of split, not statistically exactly split. Um, between him and Jimmy Graham. But w- when you got in there, it was, you know, Jimmy Graham might get an opportunity. But on goal-to-go situations last year, he had three targets, which tied for 33rd in the NFL. Three targets on goal-to-go situations last year. And his five red zone catches tied for 19th last year uh, in the NFL. So, like, when I think about how Cole Komet is going to make an impact, how he's going to be a tight end that, is something that de- is someone that defenses have to worry about. It comes to me in the red zone. Like he has, he's an athletic tight end, but if you can start to utilize him in the red zone the way we saw 
against the Carolina Panthers in 2020 where they made that great catch. You you have unlocked a whole different element to your offense, and you 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 kind of you're starting to able to squash the narrative about the offensive personnel because you know the narrative about the offensive personnel right now. It ain't good. It's bad. There's no help for Justin Fields. The receivers suck. What's going on? And the thing is, that sort of narrative comes to it, it, it comes to people more because you don't have a tight end that stands out. Like take Kansas City right now, the Kansas City Chiefs. Their offense does not have a has great wide receiver personnel. They don't. I mean, sure. I would I would match up the Bears wide receiver personnel with the Kansas City Chiefs. I would. I, I really would. I don't think Juju Smith Schuster is better than Darnell Mooney. I don't. I don't. I think Justin Ross is going to be a beast. But outside of that, like they don't have a lot. But they don't. The, the Chiefs don't receive that same jarring about this offense isn't good enough for Mahomes because Kelsey is that good. So it's very important for Komet to have a good year, be that safety blanket. And we saw that connection start to build up. I mean, that game against the Steelers, I think he had six right. receptions, 87 yards. Like, the glimpses were there. And it was the same conversation with Cole Komet. He said was, you know, I didn't get those reps with Justin Fields last year. And, it, and right. you know, this is what we've been talking about for months and since last year with Andy Dalton. Like, those reps just weren't there. So the more they get reps, I think this guy is a riser. And Jake can't believe it because I've been – I, I said it would never happen. I'm, I'm very proud of so. you. You're growing up. I am very proud of you for this growth that we're seeing out of you. You're, you're doing great. Thank you. I, I, I appreciate it. And, you know, I need to see some growth for you now on some of these other guys. So let's uh, let's well, do you also think he's a riser from what you heard? I mean, yeah, I mean, I've been I've been banging the table for Cole Komet for since last year. And since he started having a couple decent games at the end of the year. And like you mentioned, a couple of those good catches where he showed these flashes. So, yeah, I mean, for sure. I, I think that even if Vilas Jones Jr. gives you anything and is what you think he can be, that's going to open things up for Komet, too. And he won't be Correct. as focused on not that he was, you know, super focused on. But I think there is potential there for him to grow. I agree. Um, so let's hope for big season out of him. Let's go to our next riser for me, Jake. I have our guy. You've been listening to this show for years now. You know, it's our guy, Thomas Graham Jr., yep. rising, rising, rising. He's he's rising so fast, it's incredible. He's he's a rocket, he's taken off, and he ain't stopping because this guy can play, man. And this isn't just like speculation. Like again, this guy did it those past four games. He went toe-to-toe against I don't know who he was guarding, um, who he's matched up against in that Vikings game on Monday night football in his first game. I don't know if he got I want to say he got a few reps against Justin Jefferson. I don't think Adam Thielen played. He might have played that game. But whoever he was matched up against, like he was winning every single rep. Sure. And he was balling out in his first game. And this is a guy now who, you know, he's been playing with the first team in minicamp. He's been the primary slot corner. And if he is what we think he is, Jake, which we have very high hopes for him, this is a secondary that's lethal. So to me, Tom, okay, I want to see all right, I think it's a very good secondary. <laughs> very good secondary. I can say lethal yet. Cla- classic Kevin overreaction. Think you can get there. Yeah, classic me. Um, but I think Thomas Graham Jr. is a riser. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, we saw it at the end of last year. I think as long as he gets the reps and gets the opportunity, he will be a riser. Um, I am Scott mentioned in the chat he got reps with the ones because of Kyler Gordon missing time with injury. I think that's big. And, and thing is he plays hard so and we know what Matt Eberflus values and we know what Matt Eberflus likes to see from his players so yeah I mean definitely riser if he can be your nickel corner like that's a huge win that's a major win I mean think think that was the that was the biggest concern of the team going into the offseason before the draft it was secondary was cornerbacks and all of a sudden like I'm here saying I think it could be lethal like who would have thought you'd be in that position so um, I think I just tapped a text. I, I put a, a random I in the chat. I didn't mean, nice. do that. I meant, to, I meant to do something else. But uh, um, but yeah, he's one of my risers. I got. Uh, do you have any risers or followers? I got one more. No, go for it. Okay, I have. Um, well, I already did. I already did Jaquan Brisker. We already kind of mm-hmm. talked about that. I'm not going to go over that again. I think he's a major riser, though, from everything we've heard. Sure. Um, and I think our other riser. You know, I think you have to talk about it. Justin Fields. I mean, we we talked about it a little bit, but it is Justin Fields. He is a riser. You know, from everything we heard about, now, you know, are you, basing that, ethic, are you just basing it on his opportunity and because he's in a better position this year? No, I'm basing that off of what we've heard and what we've seen so far from him, you know, okay. in camp. Like, it's not just my projection for him. Like, I would have said this guy's a riser before camp even started, before OTA started. Like, because I think just being in a new system, just being uh, given an opportunity to get more reps is going to turn him into a riser. But from what we've seen, like, 
he's coming into practice. He's making plays. You know, they're they're beating the defense in their two minute drills there to end practice. I think and like the site's last practice, the mini camp, it was like their you know one of their game situations. The offense went down the field and he had a big throw to Dante Pettis. Um, you know, they're talking about his mechanics looking a little smoother, looking a little bit cleaner because they knew that he was going to work on that because there was still questions about his long delivery and things of that nature. Like everything we've heard is him improving, him getting better, him and wanting to get better. So I think you have to say he's a riser. He's certainly not a faller. Obviously, it'd be a serious right. fucking problem if he was a faller. Um, <laughs> And we'd I, be in I, trouble. Already, we'd be in trouble. Um, but I, you know, we already and and I, dude, like, we've seen that happen with guys. Yeah. We've seen that happen. Like second year, you know, everyone thinks he's going to take the step. Oh shit! You get to camp. Like this guy doesn't look good. And and you know, mm-hmm. Justin threw a lot of interceptions in OTAs. Apparently, he threw a lot in, in many camp. But you know, we talked about this in one of our breakdowns on YouTube. Was like. He's always looking for the big play. And if right. that means it comes with, you know, ADR plays, but it also comes with extra interceptions, you are totally fine with that trade-off. That is a trade-off you have to accept, okay? And obviously, it, it, we're not talking about, like, Jay Cutler here where you're just throwing the ball <laughs> everywhere. But, you know, think about a guy like Patrick Holmes. Like, this is a guy who's – and even Josh Allen. Like, and, and the funny thing about this is I, who was talking – I saw someone talking about this on the internet. And, you know, there's all this stuff on Twitter about, you know, Aaron Rodgers never throws interceptions. And, you know, he's got these insane inception interception rates over the years. He's thrown like five interceptions over the past few years. And you know, all these guys have this many. Who's winning the championships? Not him. Like, it, right. it doesn't matter. Like, he goes up against the 49ers in the conference championship, but he's afraid to throw the ball. Like, those <laughs> things don't matter when it comes down to it. You know, sure. I'd rather have my quarterback throw an interception or two in a game, but also throw for four touchdowns and 450 yards. Like, right. you obviously want to be careful with the ball, but – I like that he's taken those shots. He was the number one quarterback last year and targeted air yards past 10 yards. Like that is what you want to see. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad that we have a guy who's not afraid to, to try to fit into a tight window and try to always make the big play. So he's a riser. No. Yeah. And that's great. I mean, obviously having that guy that's fearless and then hopefully from what we've heard about the system, being able to have a coach that's willing to go for the big plays and use their playmakers is huge as well. So yeah, I mean, I get what you're saying. I totally, absolutely understand. And even I kind of hinted at it um, that he's just in a better situation too to succeed, and he doesn't have to worry about when he's going to start. So that's huge too. All right, Kevin had an idea for a game last couple minutes here before we wrap. Kevin wants to play factor cap, which some of you may know is a popular trend from TikTok, social media, obviously. So let's do it, Kevin. Do it. All right, let's do it, man. A little factor cap. Uh, let's start with this one with our guy, Darnell Mooney. We've spoken about him a lot. Factor cap, Darnell Mooney eclipses 1,200 receiving yards this year. Jake, we'll throw it to you. Is that fact or is that cap? I would like to believe it's fact. I think that what we've seen from this, from these quotes and from what everyone's saying about the new system, they're going to let Justin Fields air it out. It's just a matter of other guys picking up the slack. And so that just Darnell Mooney, Dustin Darnell Mooney, isn't just <laughs> focused on and double teamed constantly. I mean, it, it kind of hinges on Cole Komet taking that step and Vilas Jones jr. Being a contributor, but I mean, yeah, I think that it, the path is definitely there for sure. I'll say that's a fact. I think it's a fact as well as the thing covers our face. Um, <laughs> our little graphic, if you guys aren't watching, you can watch us on YouTube and Twitch. If you didn't know, but you probably do 1,055, yards last year 140 targets was more than Devo Samuel DK Metcalf and I believe AJ Brown this guy is getting targeted the ball he's gonna have a big year I'm gonna say fact I think he goes over 1200 and again people have to remember you know it's the second year now of 17 games achieving 1200 yeah. yards is easier sure. than it was in the past so we're both going fact on Darna Mooney eclipsing 1200 receiving yards all right this one's an interesting one to me Jake because I'm not really sure how to feel about it Robert Quinn Gets 10 plus sacks this year, Factor Cat. Man. Broke the record last year. Right. And everyone doesn't think he can get half, nearly half of that. Do you think he can get just over half the amount of sacks he got last year? <laughs> Calvin Scott's like, I'm good. What around. is it, 10 and a half, you said? 10. Or just 10? I think he can get there. You're playing some bad quarterbacks, some bad offensive line. You're playing the Giants. You're playing the Jets. Obviously, the Lions and the Vikings. He's like, well, you know, you know, you have five against the Giants because you know they're, they're not great. I'm going <laughs> to say fact. I think he can get there. Um, I think that obviously the loss of Khalil Mack hurts, 
But from what we've heard about Travis Gibson, he's taking that next step. There's a couple other guys who potentially on that line can take up some attention. And I mean, the change in system probably helps. I think so. Yeah. All right. I'll say, yeah, I'll say fact. I'll say he gets there. Now it might not be with the bears if he gets traded, but uh, I'll say he gets there. Yeah. I don't know if that, I feel like we're too, I feel like we're too late now. If now, if he starts to, if he say he has like eight sacks by the trade deadline, right. Oh if he keeps God, it up deal. for sure. Yeah. yeah. Somebody yeah. Unless the bears Agreed. are like seven and oh, and he's been an important well, piece. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to, yeah, well, you never know. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to say fact as well. Um, I just think it's going to be available for him to get, uh, you know, 10 sacks. If he's the primary guy, there's definitely a path. And considering he broke the record last year, I feel like it's just kind of, kind of hard for me to say he's not going to get 10. Yeah, it's um, doable for sure. This one, we're going to go to the fantasy, um, the fantasy sphere, because, yeah. you know, people are starting to draft soon. You know, the fantasy heads are here and I know Jake's mm-hmm. a player and I'm a player. And I think everyone who consumes football is a player. And if you don't consume football, you're a player. We know uh, this shit gets serious, man. Mike Trout's <laughs> league in the MLB. Uh, Tommy Pham, this stuff gets serious. So the, the questions we're answering here are, uh, are important to a lot of these people who put hundreds and thousands of dollars in their fantasy league. And those who are wondering whether they should draft Dave Montgomery, we pose this factor cap. Will Dave Montgomery be a top 10 fantasy running back this year in a PPR league? Important to know PPR league because of Dave Montgomery's receiving abilities. Will Dave Montgomery be a top 10 running back in fantasy this year? Fact or cap? So he was last year, I'm assuming, right? He was he not mo- actually. Okay, because he, he missed was, four games, three he, games. He missed four games. He missed four. He was 20th okay. in total points last year in in fantasy by running backs. 20th. I'm going to say no, just because I don't know what the offensive line is. And that okay. could really hamper things. And even as far as receptions go, we saw Cleo Herbert get more involved. And we know that it, his role will probably increase this year in his second year. So I'm going to say that David Montgomery does not register a top 10 fantasy season. Yeah. Put your head under the cap. Yeah. 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 There you go. There you go. Oh, that's going to make a great screenshot. I'm also going to say cap. I'm also going to say cap. We've agreed on all these surprisingly, but I think the problem we have here for David Montgomery and for fantasy owners who are, who either have him in a legacy um, in a legacy league or are, are considering drafting him this year you know, we have a lot of faith that Khalil Herbert could play sort of that A.J. Dillon role that, you know, he, that he played with with the Packers. And, you know, we saw a glimpse of Khalil Herbert last year. I think they're going to increase his usage this year. Yeah. I really do. I think Khalil Herbert's going to play a major factor. And I, I just – there's too many other good guys in the league from a running back standpoint for me to say that Devin Montgomery's going to be a top 10 running back. Like, I would not – I'm not going to say, like, don't draft him. Like, if you can get the right value for Dave Montgomery in your draft, I would say totally draft him. I think right now, given what we know about the running back room and, you know, again, the uncertainty with the offensive line, I'm going to say cap. He's not a top 10 fantasy running back this year. And we have a final question, also fantasy related, this time about our guy, our quarterback, Justin Fields. Is Justin Fields a top 10 fantasy quarterback? And before you sit here and say, what do you you mean? Like, that's crazy. It's not. Jalen Hurts Hurts was the ninth quarterback. Well, exactly. And not just garbage time, but he could run and people. Again, Jalen Hurts was the ninth fantasy quarterback last year. It is now outrageous to believe that Justin Fields could be a top 10 fantasy quarterback and be a very good pick for you if you want to wait for a quarterback in your draft. Factor cap, Justin Fields, top 10 fantasy quarterback this year. What do you got, Jake? I'm going to say... I'm just gonna say, I'm gonna say cap on this too. I just think there's too many other people that he has to pass. I think it's possible, <laughs> but there's just like there's too many other quarterbacks to pass to get to that realm. That's valid. I, I yeah. I, oh, I don't even know, man. I, I think I think I might I might say I, I might say fact here. I might say fact because again, like like it's would you say it's for sure possible. Would you say Justin Fields has the same, if not better, running ability than Jalen Hurts? Ooh. Because we know he has a better throwing ability. He has a better throwing ability, but does he have a better running ability? I think think they're in the same tier. Let's say they're at the same tier. It's comparable. comparable. And I think the difference from a throwing standpoint between the two is going to evolve Justin Fields. I think, like, he's not going to be nine. He's not going to be eight. I think he's going to be the 10th quarterback in fantasy football. But I think he has the ability – 
to be a top ten fantasy quarterback. And if you guys think like again, like oh, these guys are homers. Like no, like if you read Matthew Barry, like there's serious conversation about guys who are unproven but can run. Like there's Kyler Murray's there's there for is sure a path. There is a path. So I'm going to go fact. Jake's going to go cap on that. I think Justin Fields going to be a top ten fantasy quarterback this year. Just number ten, nothing higher. And Jake thinks. He will not, but be close. I think, right? You don't. You think? Yeah, I, I don't think he's going to be like twenty three. I think he could be like top fifteen. Right. Yeah, I mean, there, there's, there's, a know, there's always those buffoons in your league who will draft Patrick Mahomes in the third round or draft <laughs> Josh Allen in the third round. Like, no, right. you're going to get better value if you can draft a good wide receiver and then wait for a guy like Justin Fields right. later. So for sure. that's it for Factor K, man. A little fun little game, and hey, a lot of fun little segments today. So you know, we try to occupy the time here when there's not a lot of news, but uh, it was still a fun time, man. Good episode. Yeah, no, a lot uh, to parse through from OT, not OT, from minicamp and from all the things that were said. So yeah, I mean, we made we made some stuff happen and we gave stuff to talk about. I mean, these quotes mean stuff, and I mean, there's stuff to be made out of them. So for sure, yeah. no, it's good. And I mean, I think people want to know this stuff, and I think people are interested to know because it is a new new day for the Bears. I mean, the new regime, people are interested in that. The new coaches, the new front office. So yeah, I mean, there's definitely a lot to be interested in, even though there's no like typical newsy headlines, but we're inching closer a uh, few more weeks till OTAs and the pads go on and we learn even more and there's stuff open in the media. So that'll be fun. But until then we'll try and bridge the gap with stuff like this and it'll be a good time. So shout out to the listeners and the viewers. Shout out to everyone in the comments. We appreciate you guys, Kevin. Thank you as always for doing this little show with me, but until next time, this has been bears nation podcast. And as always bear down, bear down. Come